That is not blessed that you got a $650 car payment when you should be paying literally less than $300 for the same exact vehicle. Do you want to live like a, 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 I don't do credit cards or I don't do, I can't get a loan or I can't upgrade my house or I can't do this or I can't get a better car for my family or I can't even buy my first house because my credit shit? Like, why do you want to live like that? You're thinking about, it's so difficult to get it to, to my credit score raised because you never were taught it. It's not your fault, but I'm here to help you and tell you, it is extremely easy to raise your credit score. And I'm gonna give you four tips on how to do it. And the first one that I'm gonna give you is this. Did you guys know that there are ways to remove negatives from your credit report. In fact, you have the right to remove anything that's negative, obsolete, unfair, unduly incorrect from your credit report. The onus is put on the credit bureaus for them to verify the information or remove it. You all know that you have the legal right to challenge the information on your credit report, okay? Now, whether you hire somebody to do that or you do it yourself, the difference is one are professionals and the other one's you and you may not know what you're doing, right? One is time, it takes a lot longer. The other ones know exactly what to look for and how to remove it, okay? But did you know that you can actually add positives to your credit report? And I don't mean trade lines. I don't mean authorized user trade lines. What I mean is, can you imagine if you could actually add your rent payments that you've been making rent on time with, your cable bill, your phone bill, your Netflix bill, all those payments could be added as positives to your credit report. But you have to know about a few things and that's why I bring it to you. If you guys don't know about rent reporters or rental karma or Experian boost, those three things I just told you, you go back to this video a hundred times if you need to, your phone bill, your cable bill, your um, Netflix account, your rent payments that you've been making payments. You could even contact your, if you bought a house, you can even contact your, uh, the owner of the house that you're renting from and ask, it's worth a shot, if they would report the information to the credit bureaus. It don't even have to be an apartment. What you wanna do is rental reporter, rent reporters or rental karma, they will report the rental payments of history back at least two years, okay? And when I talk about FICO tenement, you're gonna understand why it's important. They go back two years. So immediately, you just got two years of positive history. Now remember that your credit score is made up of a different element. 35% is your payment history. So what if you could put positives and sink down some of those negatives? Right? Let's look at this for a minute. Let's say you have three or four negatives and you have maybe one positive that you make and making payments on. Example. What if you then soak down and push down those negatives by putting on your rent, your cable, your phone, and your Netflix payment? Experian Boost, contact Experian Boost. They'll be able to add everything except for your rent. Rental reporters or rental karma will be able to add your rent payments. If you're renting a home, possibly the homeowner can actually 
report the data to your credit bureaus. It's worth a shot. I just gave you something that literally is 35% of your credit scores, your payment history. The more history you have on there, it's going to push down the negatives by putting positives on. Tip number two, utilization. This is 30% of your credit score. Let me give you an example. There's been a bit controversy of where do we want to keep our utilization at? Most people say, if you keep it under 20%, you're good. That's wrong. The most beautiful number that you're looking for is the number two. It's not paid off. Most people will say paid off completely. In my opinion, not correct. Okay, Paying it off, then basically you won't have any interest, but it won't be revolving from the standpoint of it actually reporting each month. You want to show a little bit, and I mean very little bit, and that magic number two will have your highest credit score possible. Now, so when I say tip number two is utilization, what I'm talking about is take a look at all your credit cards that you have. Okay, here's what you need to do. This is called the snowball effect. What I want you to do is I want you to go through each credit card And the first thing you need to do is call the back of the card and ask the card for the closing statement date. Each one of your credit cards will have a different date. Okay? So, let's say you've got a 1,000, a 500, and a 300. Your lowest credit card is 300, then you have a 500. Engaging in solicitation or prostitution is a misdemeanor offense and punishable up to six months in Washoe County Jail and or a fine of $1,000. If you are charged with a solicitation, in Northern Nevada, the effects can be devastating. The local newspaper prints your mugshot and also your name on their website and also in their public print. We here at the Las Vegas Defense Group fight very hard to keep that out of the newspapers, stopping that potential embarrassment of having your family, your friends, your neighbors, your boss, your colleagues see your picture and name in the newspaper with the charge and accusation of solicitation. to the rules, but you're always driving to the sentencing table as we talked before, the criminal history category going one through six, and those little numbers in paren, zero or one, criminal history category one, two or three, and so forth, are criminal history points. They're not necessarily uh, the number of convictions. These are points that are uh, accumulated uh, via Chapter 4 under the criminal history rules. And you get these points based on uh, prior sentences, based on uh, the defendant's status. Also, this idea of recency. You just got out of prison fairly recently, and you're sort of, the defendant's sort of back at it again. We're saying you're going to get extra points. The defense is going to get extra points under this idea of recency. And you'll see some types of offenses that are never counted. For example, 
foreign sentences, uh, tribal court sentences, uh, court martials, even juvenile status offenses, for example. Now, under the guidelines, juvenile convictions are countable, potentially, but not juvenile status offenses. You know, possession of alcohol by a minor would be an example of a juvenile status offense. And it works like this. You get three points if the sentence is greater than 13 months, two points if it's greater than 60 days or equal to 60 days up to 13 months, and one point for all others. And you'll see this time period. So if you have a, a three-pointer, you got a two-year prison sentence, it's a three-pointer, you have a time period has to be within 15 years of the sentence, you'll see a notation, imposition, or release. What that means, you, you look at when that offense occurred, and then count back 15 years. And if that prior sentence occurred within that 15 years, you're going to meet the requirements of that time period. If that prior sentence occurs before that 15-year period, and the defendant got a prison sentence and was released within that 15-year time period, it's also countable. Okay, these time periods are important to keep in mind. So this is for prior offenses committed at 18 or older. These are adult um, prior sentences. And I'm, as I mentioned earlier, you also count sentences that occurred before uh, age 18, and it's a little bit different. Here you get you get a three-pointer if uh, only if convicted as an adult, and the sentence has to be greater than 13 months, and it's the time period is within 15 years of the sentence, imposition, or release. A two-pointer for greater or equal to 60 days up to 13 months. You have a time period there within five years, and a one-pointer for all others. Now. There's some other important determinations you sort of have to be mindful of as you do the criminal history rules, and we can't point them all out for you, but the key ones, especially for you new folks, the key ones to be looking at is the relationship of prior sentences and uh, relevant conduct. Under 41.2A1, it says the term prior sentence means any sentence previously imposed upon adjudication of guilt for conduct not part of the instant offense. If you had a drug case, for example, where you had relevant conduct from a prior sentence being included in, in the current offense conduct, okay, you're going to include that in the offense and not count it. As, prior, as a prior sentence. It gets a little complicated, but, you know, on that point, but the basic rule is if it's part of the instant offense, if you pulled that conduct out of a state sentence and put it into the, the current offense to do the guideline calculation, you're going to include it um, as, uh, you're not going to include it as a, a prior uh, sentence. The other point is uh, related prior cases. Related cases are treated 
as one sentence for purpose of the criminal history calculation. On page 293 of the guidelines manual, 41.2A2 says prior sentences imposed in unrelated cases are to be counted separately and prior sentences imposed in related cases are uh, treated as one sentence, one sentence for purposes of uh, 41.1. If a defendant comes in for a sent, in a prior sentence and there's two or three cases all sentenced on the same day, for example, they, they could be sort of grouped together, you know, into one sentence and, and have one set of criminal uh, history points for that uh, prior sentence. So you want to be mindful to take a look at related cases. The other point you want to be mindful of are prior revocations of supervision. Sort of like the question, well, how do, how do the guidelines treat a, a prior sentence where there was also a, a probation sentence where then the probation... And he's behind. Well, not, not behind, but he doesn't want to do the payments anymore. Yeah, I know that situation for sure. Is there anything... Because I, I, I want to be, like, really uh, clear on it, but is there a way to help someone who just want to get out of their payments. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody- Well, what is take the course and just <laughs> yeah. the joint. That's a fact. So if somebody doesn't want their payments anymore, they don't want to pay their car note, whether they're down in a situation. For example, somebody's in the army, right? They're now getting deployed or people on reserve, they, they're now leaving the country and your car's now just sitting there. Right. But you still get that email saying the car notes do. Uh, That's the worst feeling in the world, paying for something that you know you ain't using. Right. Right? Not only that, the car is actually rotting away. Cars are meant to move. So Mm -hmm. if it's not moving, the parts are going to be real sticky and it's Mm -hmm. not going to be working real well. So you reach out to a person like that, or a lot of people don't know they can reach out to me directly. If they knew, they would. But the other people don't know that you can either, you have a couple options. You can have one of your friends, your brothers or sisters rent out the car for you, or you can use a, a rental car management company that exists to put it on Turo and have your car, car being used for you. But some people say, well, that's my personal car. I don't want to rent it out. And this ain't for you, because if you got an emotional attachment to cars, that's the issue in itself. My, in my course, I teach the mindset of why are we having emotional attachments to these cars? Yeah. The feeling that you get while driving the car only exists while you're driving the car. For sure. And <laughs> only for like that first year. And, <laughs> I got a section get called that. buyer's remorse. Yeah. That's the worst. When you buy the car, I'm like, dang. You like the car the first month, second month, then you see the new version of the car next year. Not even next year, six months later. Yeah. I'm like, dang, that got all the features. Hey, <laughs> my, my don't got all that. Especially when you, get, when you first get a car, you don't eat in your car. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Not your car. Your, your car is so dirty that when you get a, a, a random person who want to ride with you, like, you got to let them know up front, yo, my car, I wasn't ready for you. <laughs> every, every, every time. When my car dirty, don't judge me. Right. Every time. But in the beginning. It's normally cleaner than this. I, before. <laughs> hey, you, you want to ride with me? Right, take your shoes off. You saw that? That's that new car. That's that new leather smell. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. That's real. All right, so, so who do you recommend the Toro business for? 
So really, I recommend a car rental business. So you don't necessarily have to. So not just Turo. Just car rentals, period. There's so many platforms. Mm. There's fetch trucks. So if you have a truck that's just sitting there doing nothing, there's a platform just for that. Your course thesis are all like. Oh, every platform. We, we talk about rental utilizations, meaning you don't even have to rent a car out on short-term basis like Turo. You can rent it out just for photo shoots, just for weddings, just for car shows. Right? Mm. And you can develop your own customer base using social media, websites. Turo, the benefit of Turo is they provide all-inclusive platform for you to be able to not have to worry about really not, not, nothing. They provide the clients, the background check, the messaging portal, the um, payouts. You don't have to get your own payment processor. Mm. They provide all that. However, that. you do not have to use them. You can use your own platform. If, and depending on your utilization, people book cars just for photo shoots or video shoots. And say, say you want to book your car. I don't want nobody driving my car. I get it. I shouldn't be using this car as just a liability. I want to make it an asset, but I still don't want people driving my car. Right. So I'm going to just do photo shoots, mm-hmm. video shoots. You drive the car there, and nobody's driving it. They just get in, take their pictures, and get out. That's a crucial model. And you make 150, 200, 250. I'll, I'll be double dipping. I'll do a photo shoot for one hour. Somebody pay me 350 for a picture of an I8 or two hours. And then that same day, somebody will book it for the day. Mm. I can double dip. You can do multiple photo shoots in one day. Wow. It's all about the marketing. I do that with my Airbnbs too. My Airbnbs, people think that you, just because you have keys to, to a condo, is only used for overnight lodging. Yeah. There's a platform called PeerSpace where people go. You know PeerSpace. Yeah, people, sure. people can book your, your spot for an event, photo shoot, meeting, yeah. and that same night you can have a check-in for Airbnb, double dip. Mm. So you get to the bag out here, man. Yeah, it's only through experience. I would never have known all this if I didn't actively touch people. And the more, and here's the bar, the more I share this information, the more opportunities of what I can do was shared with me. People say, oh, you know about this platform too? Dang, I didn't know about it. Somebody put me on to a fetch mm. truck. Somebody put me on into a higher car. I didn't know about higher car. Because if I did in the beginning, I probably would have bought a bunch of Hyundai Sonatas, 2018 Hyundai Sonatas for $16,000 and rented mm. it out to a nurse or an Uber driver who needs their car and is willing to pay $40 a week. Mm. Like my, my Kia Stinger is a luxury economy car. It's like a high-end Kia. It's like a, it's, it's dang near a, a sports car, but it mm. only cost me like $23,000. And with Uber, they keep the car. It's a long term. Yes. That's, what the, that's the beautiful thing about doing business with a business, B2B, because they need this to make their income. Another common example of mortgage fraud here in Nevada is using false information on loan applications. Now, t- today, lending standards have become much more strict and uh, lenders will want to verify your income and your assets and your debts and and your taxes before authorizing a loan. But back in the day before the market crashed, there were lots of mortgages that were issued based on what was called stated income. And uh, these sort of get, gained a term in the industry, liar loans. Liar loans because people would lie. They, they would lie about 
their income, they would lie about the assets that they had for collateral, they would lie about their debts and, and liabilities, and none of this w- w- was really verified. And what I think a lot of people didn't realize or, or didn't sort of pay attention to at the time is that they were signing under penalty of perjury that all of this information was true and correct. And today what we're seeing is state and federal authorities going back and prosecuting many of these people for mortgage fraud, for perjury, based on this misinformation uh, that they put in their applications. And the reality of the situation is that a lot of these uh, uh, listing agents and and uh, escrow officers and and lenders had an incentive to push these deals through. They wanted their commissions, and so they would really coach the loan applicants in what they needed to say to meet the lending standards to get the loan even if that meant providing misinformation. And the culture in the industry sort of became that that this was just how things were done. These were how deals were made. This is how people got their homes. This is how people made their investments. Everybody was doing it. It wasn't seen as something that was unethical or illegal. And people who did provide misinformation and perjure themselves never imagined that they would someday face the consequences of being prosecuted for a felony and going to prison for what they did.
And everyone knows that I love reading books, and I want to tell you guys about the Rick Ross book. It's called Hurricanes. I'm going to give it to you guys free of charge using Audible. The link will be in the description, and the link will be in the first comment. All you have to do is click the link, follow what I'm doing on the screen, or just click the link, and it's free of charge. If you don't like the service, or if you don't like Audible, if you don't like audiobooks, you can cancel the service, or you can leave their actual company you get to keep the two free books. It's free of charge, $0 if you're looking at the screen. So make sure you click the link in my description or the first comment. And make sure you enjoy that Rick Ross book. That will be the book of the month. So tap in and let me know. Thanks so much for getting to this video. I want to let you guys know about my TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy.com slash strong. A lot of people been hitting me up. Yo, how do I get my children to the next level? Click the link in the description or the first comment, or you can just go to TubeBuddy.com. It's T-U-B-B-U-D-D-Y.com slash strong. It'll let you sign up for free. That way you can take your channel to the next level. That's it for today. I'm signing out. I'm in the news with it, and I will catch you on the next one. Little Dirk is one of the most notorious rappers in the Chicago drill era of hip-hop music. With almost 5 million followers on Instagram, it's safe to say that Little Dirk has a solid fan base that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Dirk's melodic style of drill music is a big reason why he stood out compared to other Chicago rappers during his rise to stardom. But just like most of the other Chicago rappers, a big part of Lil Durk's appeal was the authenticity of his music. You knew that Lil Durk was rapping about real-life experiences, and not just some make-believe nonsense to sell records. In addition to that, Lil Durk was also respected by a lot of his peers due to his efforts of speaking out against gang violence in Chicago. And the reason why he gained so much respect for that is because Little Dirk actually lived that kind of lifestyle before rapping and wants his fans, or just anyone in general, to know that gang life is not something that you ever want to be a part of. Curious what kind of street antics Little Dirk got into? Well, we have you covered. Here is an exclusive inside look at the criminal history of Little Dirk. Lil Durk had his first documented arrest in October of 2011. According to multiple reports, Lil Durk was charged with a few different gun charges, with the main one being possession of a firearm with a defaced serial number. A gun charge is no joke in Chicago, so this was a pretty serious first charge, especially with the serial number being scratched off the gun. Having no serial number gives the cops a good reason to think that the weapon is being used for criminal-like reasons. At his sentencing, Lil Durk pled guilty to a reduced charge of aggravated, unauthorized use of a weapon. Lil Durk spent three months in jail and was later released on bond, but was later sent back to serve 87 more days. Even though this was Lil Durk's first conviction, it still made Durk a convicted felon. Lil Durk's next arrest was on June 5th, 2013. 
According to court records, Little Dirk was hanging around on South Green Street in Chicago when police approached him to investigate a call of a man with a gun. This must have caught Little Dirk off guard because he apparently took a loaded 40 caliber handgun out of his waistband and quickly threw it in his car. Little Dirk obviously wasn't very stealthy when doing this because the police clearly saw Dirk do this, which gave them enough probable cause to search his vehicle. After a quick search, Chicago police arrested Little Dirk right on the spot. Dirk's charge was unlawful use of a weapon by a felon. Little Dirk was held on a $100,000 bond, and his lawyer would later claim to have nine affidavits from witnesses who can confirm Little Dirk was innocent. One witness even admitted that the gun was his and not Little Dirk's. Dirk was released about a month later on July 18, 2013. Little Dirk's next run-in with the law wasn't an arrest, but rather a shootout that took place while he was on tour. Sources say that a shootout happened just hours before Little Dirk's scheduled performance at the Theater of Living Arts in Center City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The shootout left Little Dirk's tour bus damaged by gunfire and also left one man dead. Little Dirk was not arrested or questioned by the police. No other updates were made public on this situation as well. This next incident is just an update from when he was arrested on June 5th, 2013 on felony gun charges. According to court records, Little Dirk was ordered to court on August 19th, 2016, where the judge dropped all of his charges. The judge must have noticed that he was changing his ways and admired that he was speaking out against Chicago gang violence. Shortly after, Little Dirk moved to Atlanta where he became completely focused on music and even claimed to be a studio rat. Little Dirk managed to stay out of trouble for about three years. But it all came to an end after Dirk became a wanted man by the Fulton County Police Department. Multiple reports claim that Little Dirk had a warrant issued for his arrest and planned to charge Little Dirk with criminal intent to commit murder, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during commission of a felony, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and associating with a criminal street gang to participate in a crime. And here's the kicker. All of these charges stem from the King Vaughn incident that we covered in a video a few days ago. The link to that video will be in the top left corner and in the description below. I highly suggest you check that out to get more details on this situation. Anyways, Duke's Jeep was allegedly the car used in the shooting, and Dirk, Vaughn, and another OTF affiliate, Beizu or Zoo, were all reported to be in the car at the time of the shooting. Since the situation was so serious, Atlanta is charging all of them with the same charges regardless of who actually pulled the trigger. King Vaughn was the first to get arrested, and then it was Zoo, and now all that was left was Little Dirk. A few days after hearing about the warrants for his arrest, Little Dirk posted on his Instagram story, turning myself in tomorrow. This was a huge shock to his fans, since nobody expected him to be involved in a shooting, especially after all his success. The next day, Dirk dropped a song called Turn Myself In, and just a few hours later, he actually did turn himself in. Little Dirk kidnapping 
is an extremely serious crime here in the state of Nevada. Kidnapping is divided into two categories, first-degree kidnapping and second-degree kidnapping. First-degree kidnapping is defined under NRS 200.310 as abducting or carrying somebody away for the purpose of committing a sexual assault, extortion, or robbery, or for the purpose of killing or causing serious bodily harm to somebody. And the penalties for first-degree kidnapping are up to life in prison. Second-degree kidnapping would be all other forms of kidnapping, and that would include, for example, a couple who are having an argument in a car, and the passenger says she wants to get out of the vehicle, and the driver says, no, I want to talk, you're coming with me, and drives off. Technically, the state could charge that as a kidnapping because you're carrying someone away against their will. Your purpose may not be to cause any harm to them, but the mere movement of someone against their will can constitute kidnapping. Second-degree kidnapping carries a penalty of up to 15 years. And in any case of kidnapping, NRS 193.165 also provides for an additional penalty of up to 20 years if a deadly weapon is used in the course of a kidnapping. We've seen a lot of media attention here in the state of Nevada, particularly in Las Vegas, regarding homeowners association fraud. And we saw a lot of schemes here where there was rigging of elections, where homeowners boards were stacked and decisions were made about how to go about spending money that the homeowners contribute to maintain their residence for improper purposes. Homeowners association fraud can be broken down into three distinct categories. Category one would be embezzlement or theft. Category two would be election rigging. And category three would be bribery. Embezzlement involves taking money that's intended to be used for the benefit of the homeowners or condo association owners and using it for some other purpose, such as, for example, if a member of a homeowner's board paid their own bills uh, with money that belonged to the association or, um, you know, charged things, charged meals, charged personal meals. Um, to the homeowners association when they were not being used for some community service. Election rigging has to do with falsifying ballots, um, engaging in behavior to manipulate people into voting for certain members of the board uh, in an immoral or unscrupulous manner by offering some types of favoritism or kickbacks. This would be uh, election rigging. And election rigging is a felony here in the state of Nevada and carries a penalty of up to four years in state prison. Finally, bribery would be uh, an arrangement whereby 
members of the homeowners association board steer a certain contract. It could be landscaping. It could be pool cleaning. It could be doing repainting of the structures inside the homeowners association where they pay a contract to the provider of the service and money is clandestinely returned to them as a kickback for steering uh, certain projects to a particular vendor. Hey, what's up? This your boy, Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about YFN Lucci. Now, YFN Lucci just got into the news lately because of something not related to his other court case. Now, what I mean is he was sued by a rapper, him and PMB Rock to be exact, man. Now, the last time we checked in with YFN Lucci, he had just been released from jail after being charged with murder and a couple of other charges involving a shooting that took place in Atlanta, man. It was a real wild situation, and it's gone kind of quiet, man, because, you know, the folks, they were basically coming for wife and Lucci, and they got him. He was arrested. I did several videos. They dropped a 911 call that led to, the, to his arrest. They also, man... Posted the fact that he was out on bond. It was a whole bunch of stuff going on with YF and Lucci last month. Or even, should I say, the month before that. Now, the last we heard of him, he got out. And now we're going to be talking about this court case. Now, in the court case, it looks like him and PMB Rock were being accused of taking somebody's song for their hit, Every Day We Lit. Now, YF and Lucci... And his camp has yet to say anything about this situation. But PNB rocking them got taken to court. And I'm going to tell you how it went. Not in their favor. Now, before we get into the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And man, let's get it. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this YFN Lucci PNB Rock court case. Now, to be honest, it was more directed towards PNB Rock. Because in the story, it talks about the uh, fact that YF and Lucci might have already made some type of separate agreement for this situation. Now, it doesn't go into any specifics, but this is the case, man. So, there's a New Jersey rapper by the name of Rat Boy Cam. Now, Rat Boy Cam was suing PMB Rock and YF and Lucci. And he actually won the lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit was a copyright infringement case. And it was over the song, Every Day We Lit. Now, for those of you who don't know, YF and Lucci Man was on a tear for a while. He had a whole bunch of hit songs that came out, man. And Every Day We Lit was one of them. Now, it was featuring a Philadelphia rapper by the name of PMB Rock. Now, a lot of you might not be, you know, up on game about PMB Rock. Even though he's pretty significant in the hip-hop game around that time frame. You know what I mean? He's gone a little quiet since then. But, you know, during that time, he was really, really lit out here, man. No pun intended. Now, in this lawsuit, it was saying that PNB Rock and, and the producer, June James, had stolen 
from this New Jersey rapper, Rack Boy. Now, Rack Boy had a song called Everything Be Lit. Now, just off the name, you could tell they're similar. Now, when I listened to both songs, I mean, I kind of heard what was familiar between the two, man, you know, the similarities. But it looks like, man, my opinion doesn't matter because a judge, I mean, basically awarded uh, Rack Boy $1.7 million in a judgment, man. Now, this is what it says in a complex article in the news. It basically says this. It says, in 2018 lawsuit, in a 2018 lawsuit, excuse me, Rack Boy argued that the song Every Day We Lit, on which the three aforementioned artists were featured, is deeply similar to his effort, Everything Be Lit. Earlier this month, Rack Boy's lawyer, Christopher W. Nero, secured a significant copyright infringement victory that netted his client over $1.7 million. Since an agreement was already reached with wife and Lucy, like we said earlier, and think it's a game records. The judgment was made against PMB Rock and the song's producer, June James. Now, this gets really interesting because it, the way that they split it up. So basically, in the judgment, they said this. He got over $1.4 million in cash, or he was granted $1.4 million in cash, and close to $268,000 in, pre-judge, in prejudgment interest. So a running and a running royalty plus costs and injunction against James and Allen's exploitation of the infringing work. Man, that sounds like they threw the book at PNB Rock in them, man. Because that yeah, that counts up to about 1.7 million. But then the running royalty and all that and the interest, man, that's that's crazy, man. So dude took to social media, and a lot of people have been talking about this, right? i seen Say Cheese posted earlier. i seen a lot of different news sources posted. I think Complex News is the closest to this situation. But it looks like... The penalties are up to five years in the state prison if force was involved, up to four years in state prison if there was no force, and if the panderer... Uh, forces someone under the age of 18 to engage in sex, the penalty is up to 20 years in state prison. And if no force was used with a minor, it's up to 10 years in state prison. Additionally, the fines can be very severe, up to a half a million dollars for someone convicted of pandering. There are a variety of circumstances in which self-defense may become an issue in a criminal case. Uh, It could be a situation where somebody uses deadly force and they've killed somebody and the defendant is claiming, I use that force to protect myself or to protect somebody else because under the law in the state of Nevada, You have the same right to defend yourself as you do to use self-defense to defend somebody else who's in a position of vulnerability. Additionally, under the law in the state of Nevada, you have the right to use deadly force against a burglar that comes into your home 
with the intent to commit a felony or cause substantial bodily harm to somebody. We represent a lot of people involved in disturbances, fist fights, often alcohol is a factor, but it's very common in Las Vegas, people are coming to have a good time. And sometimes, you know, things get out of hand uh, and people get into fights when they're out trying to have a good time. Um, it's not uncommon in those situations for the police to come and just arrest everybody and charge everybody with a crime. Uh, however, there's nothing in the law that says that you have to tolerate someone else's abuse. So if somebody else is physically aggressive with you, um, you have the right to defend yourself. So if you've been charged with a battery and that battery stemmed from some type of, of, of quarrel um, where you felt legitimately that you had to defend yourself and used physical force in doing so, um, it's important that you hire an attorney that will aggressively defend you and assert your right to self-defense in order to either uh, convince the prosecutor to drop the charges altogether or uh, to win your case uh, with a self-defense argument at trial. Another area where self-defense can come into play is with rela in relation to battery domestic violence, a quarrel between, for example, a husband and a wife. Um, often, it's a neighbor that calls the police. The police come, they may hear arguing back and forth. In Nevada, most often it seems that law enforcement tends to arrest the, the person that got the worst of it. So that if somebody has a mark, the presumption is, well, the other party was the aggressor, the other party should be taken in. But it doesn't always work out that way. It could be that, uh, that the person that has the injury is the one that started the fight. And it's not always the man that, that does the battering. Sometimes, um, you know, a woman might throw something or a woman might swing at, punch her domestic partner. And the, the man might simply be responding or defending himself in those situations, self-defense certainly may come into play, and an aggressive uh, defense attorney will assert that uh, you were only you, you know, you were exercising your right to self, uh, your, to, to defend yourself, which is, which is perfectly lawful. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you in your future. The majority of automobile searches involve situations where a driver simply consents to the search of his vehicle. You, as the owner of a vehicle, have the absolute right to not consent to a search of your vehicle. If law enforcement believes they have probable cause, 
they may choose to search your vehicle without a warrant, or they may choose to detain your vehicle to such time as they can get a warrant from a judge for permission to search the vehicle. But if a law enforcement officer asks you for consent to search, you have the absolute right to say no. They may try to tell you, look, we're going to get a warrant. All you're doing is delaying the process. And only you can decide whether under those circumstances you wish to consent rather than avoid delay. My suggestion is to simply say no when asked by law enforcement for permission to search your vehicle and instead call your lawyer right away. Oops. And get a cashier's check and go home. I just pulled my money off my credit card and I got reward points because I was on a cruise ship. So since you're on a cruise ship, you get five points per dollar. So since I'm on a cruise ship, I get five points per dollar. I literally got chips <laughs> with the room key. I could max every card off if I wanted to and go home with the cashier's check if I needed to use it to invest, whatever I needed to do. And I still accumulated the reward points. So if I needed to go buy a house, I literally can go on a cruise three days for 200 bucks, go pull off 50,000, come home with cashier's checks and go do my investment. But you so you, this guy is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so, wait, so when you take the 20, nah, no joke. So when you take the 20, you are paying the 20 back, but you yeah. are redeeming the rewards points that come with spending that amount of money. You can keep the reward points. That's the perks and benefits of having credit. Um, and that's one of the main perks and benefits of having credit. I tell people is that credit cards versus debit cards is that you spend your cash, you get nothing back. Mm -hmm. You don't get big interest from letting it sit in the bank. Right. But what, how do we actually use the bank to, for a benefit? What do we get from the bank? Like, and one of the things is that why they incentivized it was the reward points. But a lot of people in our community don't have that information and know how to use the incentives that they give us. We so don't even do the research. The research. I feel like like that's like the fine line. Like nobody's reading the fine line like, yo, you get this, these. I mean, the, the most we ever look at is like, yo, can we get air, airplane rewards or airport mm -hmm. rewards and hotel rewards? But there's so many other things like that you can actually be using this for. <laughs> yo, listen, right, is that one of the key things is this, right? Um, today, you know, I got on recession proof, right? Um, but I'm an advocate of my community. I'm an advocate of where I come from. Some people will be like, yo, it's ignorant. Y'all, we shouldn't wear designer clothes. We shouldn't do this and, and do that. Um, wear support black, whatever it is, whatever you want to wear, wear naturally, you know, things that's made from natural products, not cotton. Um, I like wearing nice clothes. Louis Vuitton, Fendi right now, some of my favorite Dior. Um, but I know everybody, a lot of people in the community, this is what they're after. These are the things that they desire to wear because it gives them status, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of a sense of status and I'll keep it a buck. It is it's a sense of status that people want something that costs more, something that's extra flyer than, and make it separate. We got people growing up that, and kids that don't know how to actually go and get it without doing something illegal, 
right? So they go and selling drugs and robbing people for these designer clothes because nobody told them that, hey, listen, you could actually be an entrepreneur and learn business or you could leverage credit and get it for free. So what I did was this. I started going, um, I don't, I don't want to spend my money on stuff. I'm cheap, right? I really don't like spending my money. So when I get designer clothes, I get it for free. I'm not going to spend cash. So in order for me to get designer clothes, I say, listen, I can run up my reward points and then redeem the, the transaction. So when I go, like I went and went to Louis Vuitton, spent 6000 right? Mm-hmm. Like $6,500 in Louis Vuitton. And I literally redeem my reward points to cover it. How do you get the reward points? People don't know is the benefits of a credit card. Like you said, your gold American Express card alone gives you four to five points per dollar, four to five points per dollar, every dollar you spend on running ads. So you mean to tell me you're going to incentivize me making money with your money. Here's a $100,000 credit card. Go run and, and spend it, run ads to market your business and get in front of people. And I'm going to give you rewards for using my money. I ran 100000 on ads, made, um, had a million dollar month. On the back end, they gave me seventy five hundred. Can we not let that just go over everybody's head? <laughs> we just gonna breeze past that. <laughs> Yo, I mean, congrats to you for that. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but that is is that even with that, I'm gonna stay on that and the power. And, and nobody can say it's not power in a black dollar, right? Because that is the black dollar. These are things that are in services and um, the community I built for our community. And so this is our money circulating within our community. Mm-hmm. But I literally, this is the, the point is that the information I literally ran off my, my Amex gold, spent a hundred thousand, brung back a million and then got, um, close to like 9,000 reward points. So then I redeemed it. And went shopping at Louis, spent six thousand. So when are you redeeming it? Are you getting a, a gift card to the store? Like, are you getting like a Saks card or how does that work? No, nah, I literally went shopping. Uh-huh. Swipe my card when I go sh- shopping. In the uh, event that that is advantageous to their position, so this is subject matter jurisdiction in a nutshell. That is one of the initial topics that you will cover in civil procedure. Some of your professors may begin with subject matter jurisdiction. I begin with the next topic, which is personal jurisdiction. So I'm going to talk about that right now. Personal jurisdiction also relates to where can this lawsuit be brought. So we've talked about federal versus state court, a very important initial determination. But we haven't talked about geographically which federal court we're talking about. Are we talking about a federal court in Tennessee, Vermont, etc.? Where is this going to go? Personal jurisdiction is an important limitation on your choices in that regard. You can only bring this lawsuit in a court that would have jurisdiction over the defendant.
So subject matter jurisdiction is jurisdiction over the topic of the lawsuit, over the subject of the suit. But you also have to have jurisdiction over the defendant or the defendants, if there are many defendants. Personal jurisdiction rules lay that out. So here we have a situation where there's a plaintiff from New York and a defendant from Texas. What courts might have jurisdiction over this dispute? Well, one easy one that you'll learn about is Texas. Because the defendant is from Texas, you can sue them in Texas for anything. I'm from Virginia. Anyone who has a legal dispute with me can come to Virginia and sue me here because I'm a citizen of Virginia. Again, you'll learn what it means to be a citizen of a place. You're not just a citizen of a place because you're physically located there. There's other things, subjective and objective, that go into that determination that you'll learn about. So, Texas courts could hear this case. They would have jurisdiction. Would New York courts have jurisdiction over this case? Well, the defendant's not a citizen of New York. The plaintiff is, as you'll learn. It doesn't matter that the plaintiff is a citizen of the state in question. That's not going to render the defendant subject to jurisdiction there. Uh, that doesn't mean this case can't be litigated there. Under what circumstances might this case be litigated in New York in, in a way that there will be jurisdiction over the defendant? If the car accident happened in New York, if the car accident happened in New York, then you can sue the defendant in New York regardless of where they're from. Same thing if we were talking about Wyoming. Can this case be brought in Wyoming? Well, not based on the citizenship of the defendant, but if the car accident occurred in Wyoming, then we don't have a problem. It can be litigated there. So personal jurisdiction is going to be based in part on citizenship, but mostly what you're going to be studying is the circumstances under which jurisdiction is based on the incident and the defendant's connection with the state through the dispute or through what happened that gave rise to the dispute, something we call specific jurisdiction. So personal jurisdiction is something that is a very important initial determination that has to be made before you can select a court where you're going to litigate a case. Now, personal jurisdiction is not the end of the where. We're still dealing with this where question. Federal versus state, we've already determined that. Personal jurisdiction, I've given you some sense of that. There's another requirement, and this is called venue. Now, you would think we've done enough to figure this out. All right, I've got to federal court. Now I know I can go to Texas because the person's from Texas. That's not good enough. Why not? Because if we're in federal court, there are four districts in Texas. Texas has four federal districts. New York has four federal districts. California has four federal districts. Virginia has two federal districts. Some states only have one district, like Delaware, Maryland. So venue is based on congressionally enacted statutes, and that tells us which district among all of the 94 federal district courts we can use to bring this case. 
So I may have personal jurisdiction throughout Texas over this person, but I need to know which district to go to. We're talking about an individual defendant here who's from Texas. We would need to know which part of Texas he is from. Taking Virginia as an example, I live here in Charlottesville. This is in the Western District of Virginia. So if someone wants to sue me in federal court, there's citizenship in Virginia. So Virginia state courts and federal courts would have personal jurisdiction over me throughout Virginia. But if this person brought the lawsuit against me in Richmond... I'm attorney Neil Schaus. If you've been charged with a drug-related offense here in Las Vegas or anywhere in Nevada, we invite you to come in, tell us what happened, let's look at all of the evidence, let's see what we can do to get the charges reduced or dismissed. Sometimes we are able to negotiate resolutions to your case where during the period of time in which you may be placed on probation, you're required to register as a sex offender, but upon successful completion of probation, that requirement is no longer in place. You can withdraw your plea to a sex offense requiring registration and no longer have to register as a sex offender once your case is completed. Boy is definitely ha happy with this decision because he took the social media and made a statement immediately when this happened or, you know, as soon as it, it made news. Now, in his post on social media, Rack Boy had this to say, man. And it just seemed like, man, he was really, really excited about the judgment. But this is what he said verbatim. He said, this has been a very lengthy and tedious process. I'm grateful for the outcome and I'm thankful it's all behind me. I'm excited to get back into the studio and continue creating music for my fans. I wish the best for all parties on current and future endeavors. It's Rack Boys, SZN, Are You Dumb? And then I don't know what emoji that is, but it looks like a circle. And then hashtag Rack Boys, hashtag Jersey. So, man, it looks like, man, things are looking up for Rack Boy. And he was even posted, he even reposted some of the people who took the social media to make memes about the situation like this. He reposted this, man, or somebody, they posted the, the, they took his head and put it on Chris Tucker's face from the uh, Rush Hour movie, and it basically says this, it said, Rack Boy Cam all summer after winning that 1.7 million, laughing emojis, nothing but, you know what, you know what, you know what, for him now, man, and I had to block out those other things because, you know, they're not good for this platform. Now, Rack Boy thought it was funny, obviously, because he posted this. He said, chill, y'all cooking on the internet. And it was more memes that people were posting, but, man, it goes to show that, you know, he was taking this real well. Of course, because he won, but, man, it seems like PMB rocking them might be punching, this, punching the air right now, man. They thinking about that money that they just lost. Now, in the news article, it doesn't say what type of, you know, judgment it was it doesn't say where where they sued in civil court i'm sure it was man because i mean i don't know man when it comes to copyrights i'm not really sure but it just seems like man for them for all the news publications and you know hip-hop sites to pick this up it must have been a clear-cut deal and this is official man 
So it looks like Rack Boy got a little bit of change to invest into his music career. And PMB rocking them, they're going to lose on the front end and a little bit of the publishing and all that on the back end. But I don't think this is going to hurt their career in any type of way, man. I mean, Wyatt and Lucci, his hands are full right now. He's got his thing that he's dealing with. And PMB Rock is still just making sure that he's cranking out hits. I know he just did a joint pretty much with everybody from OTF, including a song with uh, King Von that he did before, that they did together before he passed away. So it seems like he's back in that mode to be working on music. So all in all, maybe this is a win for everybody. I don't know. I'm just trying to keep it positive, I guess. But what do you guys think, man? Do you think that taking this hit to your pocket for YFN Lucci and PNB Rock specifically is one of the worst things that can happen in the music business? I'll tell you this, man. After looking at a whole bunch of stories, this is a common occurrence. This happens all the time. People pay money to get things right. The other person gets a little piece of the song. Things move on. So, I mean, this might not be the worst thing in the world. But is this just another negative notch on YFN Lucci's belt with everything that he's got going on right now? Now, with that, this being your boy, Big Man, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. And make sure you hit that notification bell so that way you get a notification every time I drop this hot content. And we out of here. Peace. This kid's amazing. He's 18. He got a real estate license. I say, yo, by the time I'm 30, I'll be retired. I'm out of here. What? $14,000 check? $12,000 check? I had a 2006 Dodge Charger in 2006. Mm. I went and got an Escalade. Yeah. Oh, life is great. 12 months later. Oh. <laughs> One day you wake up. <laughs> the world is different. <laughs> People are coming in, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth, right? People are coming in now. And my broker goes, we're going to have to do loan modifications, right? He starts crushing it with the loan mods now. He's crushing it too. But I'm getting chewed out because I'm seeing people lose their homes that I just sold homes. It's like, mortgage was this, it's now this. What do we do? Oh, loan modification, meaning you sell me a home and then your company changes my loan no they were doing like basically taking it to banks to rearrange people's loans to do like kind of refis and depending on what part you were at mm. to get you out of that adjustable rate right getting people out of it but you charging people to get them out of the bad loan you put them in mm. yikes i moved to atlanta why'd you move to atlanta I wasn't making no money. Right. It was over. It was. And did you see Atlanta as an opportunity to sell more real estate, or it's just a different opportunity? It was a different opportunity. I met some people that was doing um, network marketing, your travel biz, YTB. Okay. That was my first ever. Did you get a bag in YTB? Absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. You know, you remember uh, Spencer Iverson? Something Spencer was killing it. I was under a guy named Keith. Mm. out of making um, no I didn't um, <laughs> but I got in, I got inspired right? right I remember going to St. Louis and I seen 
these regular people who weren't celebrities standing on the stage that packed out the whole St. Louis arena. Mm. And I told my mom, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be able to pack an arena out to respect me when I come out and do something. So that's been my goal. I go, I remember seeing that. I didn't know that as I fast forward now and I go, only way you'll be able to do that is if you can positively impact people's lives. So you have to get into a position to where you can impact as many people as possible. So when I look at it now and I look at my business model, my whole goal is if you want to be successful, you'll only be as successful as the amount of people you help become successful. Mm. I have to make massive impact positively on people's lives. The more amount of people I can positively affect, the more successful I'll be. And the closer to going, look at, I can now put and go, look at how many people I've been able to positively impact. For sure, for sure. That's now my goal, and it's been my goal for the last few years, is how do I grow my impact? I started out with financial literacy and um, credit coaching and things like that because I wanted to help people. I've helped fathers get funded to get their daughters heart surgery. Mm. That kind of impact. People who um, kids are getting taken and put into child protective services and we're helping them purchase homes or helping them get into adequate living situations, not understanding that they can finance furniture to have their home properly furnished and having everything there. That kind of impact. Mm -hmm. Then I go, I can only do so much. This is getting beyond me. I have more clients then I can have staff. Right. Okay. So we 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 fast forward. So you're a YTB not making no money. But yeah. how do you get into helping people with their credit? Get, I started working. I went through transitions, different com- different businesses. Atlanta. I got introduced to Atlanta. You know, anybody get introduced to Atlanta, you get introduced to get outside yeah. and go. Mm-hmm. So. I got outside and I went. I'm on Craigslist. I'm doing cell phone repair. I go into. So you the, got in the cell phone repair after the YGB fiasco. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Fiasco with that, right? So I remember, I, even with YTB, I was like Marietta uh, Mall. I mean, the flea market in Marietta. Mm-hmm. I went in there and bought Air Force Ones by the caseload from China, and I would drive around and deliver those. Mm, right? I was in that game. Right? So, game. you know, yeah, we yeah, doing yeah. the doing that. So, I did that. Ended up into the cell phones. I started figuring that out. I go through the cell phone um, spin for about a year and a half, two years. That did really well when eBay was going on, buying screens from China, fixing them, right? Ended up opening the Boost Mobile. That crashed on us. I lost everything. Mm. I literally was, I moved in with my sister. Lost everything. Not only did I- Healthcare providers are under increased scrutiny here in the state of Nevada, particularly in Las Vegas, after the prosecution of Dr. Desai, who was using cost-cutting measures that led to uh, hepatitis being spread in his office. 
On Monday, the jury in the hepatitis C outbreak trial returned a verdict against Dr. Depak Desai and nurse anesthetist Ronald Lakeman. Desai was found guilty on all counts, including second-degree murder, and Lakeman was found guilty on 16 counts related to the outbreak. So it's reasonable to say that healthcare providers can expect additional scrutiny in their office because there's a lot of public outcry with regard to uh, news that's come out of the healthcare industry here in Clark County. NRS section 422 defines healthcare fraud. And healthcare fraud can encompass many things, such as taking kickbacks from patients to prescribe medication or taking kickbacks to refer to certain doctors. It can also include billing patients for procedures that were unnecessary or procedures that were never actually provided by the physician. Uh, healthcare fraud can also uh, include charging excessive fees for, for procedures. Uh, again, based on events that have occurred in the community, law enforcement agents are much more aggressive now in scrutinizing the actions both of doctors and uh, other personnel in medical care offices. Here at the Las Vegas Defense Group, we represent a wide variety of people who may get caught up in a healthcare fraud investigation, including doctors, office personnel, and even patients. There are so many different people that may work in the office of a medical care provider. If you're under investigation, it could be that you have no knowledge of practices that are going on uh, at the hands of others in your office. It could be that people in your office may be doing billing, that you have no awareness that in fact there's some false billing going on. So the earlier that our law office gets involved in the process, the greater chance that we have of preventing suspicion from turning into prosecution. I could get my brother right here who got good credit, get two on his, don't gotta mess up my DTI. I don't gotta worry about if I got too many cars in my DTI thing. debt to income. That's the income ratio, yeah. yeah. I don't gotta worry about that because my brother, I'm going over here to the left. I'm not gonna kill his, I'm gonna keep him with two, so in case he wanna buy a house, he good. He can get rid of him or do whatever he want. Mm. We ain't got five, six, seven, eight all on the first note, right? So I'm learning the game, you feel me? So I'm like, I'm like, all right, it's joint venture time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Look, I, this is how much I make, guys, check it out. Look at my Toro platform. You see what I'm making? <laughs> Look, I can help you get a little bread. You ain't gotta do no work, I'ma run it. All you gotta do is use your credit, go ahead and get an extra sidecar, that's if they already got a car. Mm. Some people already got a car and they ain't got to do none of that. They just give me that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So they just go get another one. I tell them, I, I'm telling people how to go get the loan, pre-qualify everything. I'm shooting them to the gym. I was shooting the State Farm like it was nothing. State mm. Farm was giving people personal, for personal private sellers. That's so I was, I was so mad when they stopped. Mm. I'm talking about, they would let you go to a dude who got a Lamborghini Huracan for sale for a hundred racks. Give it to them private sale. They don't give a damn. As long as they got a title. Oh, bro, I was going digital. So I'm learning these techniques and I'm doing joint ventures all around the city. So real quick. So the number one question people ask is, um, 
Where are you keeping all these cars? You got five cars at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. Where are you keeping them all? So now at this time I had Airbnbs. So I had a place I stayed, the apartment I stayed in, and I had the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So they have parking decks. I put them in there. Gotcha. And then, and then they house. wouldn't even, they wouldn't even, uh, they won't stay there long enough. They was booked too much. Gotcha. So we was <laughs> back and forth. Let me ask you, and, and you've seen both sides. I mean, I mean, from the beginning to like now, was the opportunity bigger before? No. On it was smaller because it was less known. So nobody knew about it. Now everybody know about it, right? It hasn't stopped anything. So I could tell 80 people how to do this and it's still gonna be good because like this, I found this out. It's the same thing with the Airbnb. Like I told you, all those dudes had three apiece. And it was like 20 of us. We go to the gym to hoop, it's 20. Everybody like, they all sharing, you know, it's networking, mm. Jesus. They was put laughing at me. I was like, bro, I gotta get me some Airbnbs. Yeah. So, you know, I got, I had, at that time I had one, I got like eight now, but at that time I only had one and I flipped it to three quick. But long story short, it was an oversaturation thing where people worry about oversaturation, but it's the same as any business. McDonald's ain't worried about Burger King, bro. For sure, big fan. You know what I'm saying? They're not worried about Wendy's either. Yeah. So they're gonna still eat their people living there. So that's the same thing. So people are always gonna need two things, a place to stay and something to drive. It's guaranteed. When people worry about the pandemic, y'all still getting Instacart, Amazon Prime now, mm-hmm. Uber and Lyft drivers still cranking up. You know why? Because guys like me give them the cars. <laughs> I love it. I'm I giving them it. the economy cars, baby. And that's, the, that's what I really try to teach. So a lot of people see me in the, the Lamborghinis and the race and stuff like that, and they get it twisted. Like, those are not the primary breadwinners. All right, they're so, not, so not. We, we're going to get right into that. How many exotic cars do you have? Exotic in my network or did I personally and own? You personally own. Two. 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 Exotic. This is over $150,000 car. Lamborghini, Rafe. You know what the crazy thing is? So, but I see you in all these cars, bro. Right. See, that's the joint venture thing. I'm talking about that I personally own, not that I personally have that I can drive day to day. Which is even better. Exactly. Isn't it dope? I have the freedom on my credit report to do what I like. Go get me a house. Go get me another car if I want because I didn't overexert my credit report, right? And then I can actually drive these cars for free. And then let them, not, nobody pays for them. I don't pay for them. The owner don't pay for them. The customers do. That's the dope thing about mm. it. So we ain't tripping. And and it you, it makes your brand go crazy because you pulling up in these vehicles. Right. And they're like, yo, who is this guy? Right. Right, and that was really um, the reason that um, that I initially jumped in it wasn't an income play, but I was talking to my wife like, I feel like I need to go to that next level. For sure. I need, I need to pull up in something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I don't need to. It's, it's, it's the number one business card. Number one business number card. Number one business card. I swear it's better than any business card you ever had. They be talking to me. They come up to me, ask me what I do all day and night. Everywhere I go. You see what's outside. Mm. Big body Rafe. Yeah. When I go drive that joint, when I tell you, uh, what do you do, sir? <laughs> and then anything I do is taken 100% seriously. Exactly. I change it up all the time. I'm like, I'm a teacher. 
What do you teach? I teach people how to get money. You know I what I mean? That. I might say I'm our own rental car agency. I might say I run a chain of Airbnbs. I can say whatever I want. It's taken 100% seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach too, how to use your car as a business card. It's definitely the- Is that in the course? It's in the course. Oh, it's a, I, I, tell, course. I, te I teach these under business strategy. So if you wanna, you literally can get a car only for that purpose. You know what I'm saying? To just to use it as a business card, because yeah. I teach how to get the cars. So if you want to learn how to drive a Lamborghini or a Rafe, I can tell you how to get financing for it. What's going on, YouTube? Come back at you another video. So we got some breaking news. Rapper OMB PZ has been arrested for the shooting that took place in Atlanta recently. If you didn't hear the news, Roddy Rich and 42 Doug were on set shooting a music video. Three people ended up being shot. There wasn't many details at the time. There was nobody arrested. Now, OMB PZ has been charged. I'm going to show you what his um, charges are. He's been arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon as well as possession of a firearm during a felony. So OMBPZ clearly gonna be facing some serious time during this incident. Three people were shot. Nobody lost their life, thankfully, but there was multiple injuries. Um, OMBPZ now, a lot of people on the internet reacting to this all over his Instagram. You see people saying free OMBPZ. Um, sad situation. We see this all too often. Hopefully OMBPZ is not guilty of the crimes he's being accused of. Because if he is, there's a good chance he's probably going to go to prison for quite a while. Um, got to be smarter. Got to move better. Got to stay out of the streets in 2021. There's nothing left in the streets for anybody, he's claiming his innocence though, um, be sure that you at least give him the um, benefit of the doubt that he's innocent until this all plays out in court. Let me know what you guys think in the comments though. Hit the like, subscribe, share, leave some feedback. Make sure you ring the notification bell too if you're subscribed so you get updates my future videos when they drop. Before you leave, Please take just one second, too, to click the link. I'm going to pin as the top comment. It's going to take you to a dope artist out there trying to get his YouTube channel monetized. He's almost there. Please click the link and subscribe. It costs you absolutely nothing. I definitely do appreciate you watching, though. Peace. Nobody wants to find out that they have an outstanding warrant. And we get a lot of calls from people that have... Uh, gone to renew their license at the DMV, for example, and found out that they had a warrant. Uh, maybe they were arrested. Maybe they were just told about it. Uh, sometimes people get pulled over and an officer may write them a citation and not actually arrest them on the warrant, but inform them that they have a warrant. But whatever the facts and circumstances may be, it's never fun to find out that you have a warrant for your arrest. Uh, depending on what type of warrant it is, 
we may be able to go into court for you and have the court quash the warrant. Uh, quashing the warrant basically means uh, when you appear, either personally or through counsel, the court once again has jurisdiction over you. They no longer have to utilize the warrant to arrest you and bring you before the court. When you voluntary, voluntarily appear before the court, there's a pretty good chance that the court will quash the warrant, allow you to remain out of custody until you resolve your legal matter. Uh, a warrant can lie for uh, a felony charge, a misdemeanor charge, or even a traffic ticket. And it's very important to clear up your warrants because obviously uh, nobody wants to go to jail, especially unexpectedly. So um, if you have a warrant, um, call 702 Defense, uh, speak to our office, and we can get your matter placed on calendar. We can get you before the court, and we can keep you, in most cases, from going to jail. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you in your future. The beast known as the Grim Reaper, as I like to call him, Lil Reese. 40% of all people mentioned by Lil Reese are actually now packs. They're dead. Did Lil Durk get choked out by Lil Reese? If you FaceTime with the shy rat Grim Reaper himself, it's basically like an interview for the afterlife. Lil Reese has fought a charge, or not really a charge, he was arrested on indirect contempt of court. Lil Reese has been let back out on the streets by the Chicago PD. Nobody is safe. Lil Reese, aka the Chirac Grim Reaper, is one of the most feared individuals in modern day hip hop. The 27 year old from Chicago, Illinois, started to gain national notoriety after he was featured on Chief Keef's I Don't Like back in 2012, which eventually peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This rapid success resulted in Lil Reese signing a major record deal with Def Jam. But as the years went on, Lil Reese started being known less for rapping and more for his various activities in the streets. This was mainly due to DJ Academics and his constant coverage of the Chicago drill hip-hop scene. Academics made multiple videos throughout the years on Lil Reese and portrayed Reese as one of the most dangerous rappers in Chicago. Academics was even the one who came up with Lil Reese's nickname, The Grim Reaper, since he claimed that Reese's Twitter page is more like an obituary, because whenever Lil Reese would mention one of his ops in a tweet, they would somehow pass away soon after. But now, with all this worldwide attention on Lil Reese, the Chicago Police Department are watching him more than ever. Curious on what Lil Reese got caught up in over the years? Well then, we've got you covered. 
Here's an exclusive inside look at the criminal history of Lil Reese. Lil Reese has been living in Southside Chicago his whole life and was apparently already affiliated with the BDs by the age of five. The BD set Reese claims is Lamron. For those of you who don't know, Lamron is normal spelled backwards, which is named after their main block, 64th and Normal. Lamron later came together with another BD set in Inglewood called Taytown and formed 300. Almost every BD set in the Inglewood area of Chicago claims 300, such as Chief Keefe from O'Block and Fredo Santana from Front Street. Rest in peace. Lou Reese's involvement with the streets has unfortunately led to some run-ins with the law with the earliest documented arrest happening in early 2010, when Lil Reese was just 17 years old. The details of this arrest are close to none since Reese was still a minor at the time, but we do know for sure that Lil Reese was arrested and charged for being involved in some type of burglary. It's unclear how much time he actually spent behind bars, but it was later revealed a few years later by various media outlets such as XXL that Lil Reese ended up pleading guilty to the burglary charges and was given two years of probation. During his time on probation, Reese seemed to stay out of legal trouble since there was no public document showing that he was arrested during his two years of probation. It was also during this time that Lou Reese started to take rap more seriously and ended up making several songs with Chief Keef, which resulted in both of them having a legendary impact on the Chicago drill hip-hop scene. After Lou Reese was off probation, he ended up signing a solid record deal with Def Jam which made most fans think that Reese would take this money and move away from the streets of Chicago to a place such as LA so he could stay out of trouble and focus on music. But unfortunately, this wasn't the case, and Lou Reese continued to stay in Chicago. Lou Reese's second arrest took place in April 2013 just a few months after he signed his record deal with Def Jam. While police were patrolling the South Wells area of Chicago, an officer found a man sleeping in a parked vehicle on the side of the road. After taking a second glance at the sleeping man, the officer recognized that it wasn't just any man, it was Lil Reese, the Chirac Grim Reaper. The officer then began to run Lou Reese's name in the system and found that he had a warrant for his arrest in Champaign County, Illinois. This warrant for Reese stems from an incident that occurred back in February 2012, when Lou Reese allegedly attacked a female after she was trying to remove him and his 20 other friends from her apartment. One of the witnesses of this altercation filmed it and later posted it online in October of 2012, after Lil Reese was starting to make a name for himself in hip-hop. Once the video surfaced online, 
Someone then made a police report about the situation, which led to the police putting a warrant out for Lil Reese's arrest. After the officer, oh man, it's so it's so interesting to watch how that has grown over the time. And uh, shout out to everybody that is on EYL University. You know the Patreon tier five members. You have access to the number one online school for education. That is EYL University. Uh, and shout out to everybody that's supporting the merch, man. It is it is going really well, man. So I'm happy to see everybody out there. I, I need some people to start tagging them when they when they wear the merch, though, man. I like seeing that, man. I love to see people working out in it. I love seeing people uh, having it on while they watching Market Mondays or they watching the podcast. So keep doing more of that, man. I love to see it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We appreciate you. Um, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. Fuck <laughs> <a> mic drop. Backdrop. <laughs> Backdrop. NRS section 201.180 regulates and outlaws incest in the state of Nevada. And incest is defined as marrying or engaging in sexual intercourse with someone who is closer than a half-blood cousin or a second cousin. In actuality, these cases are rarely prosecuted unless some allegation of impropriety comes to the surface. So if there's if the relationship goes bad and an accusation flies and law enforcement gets wind of it, you might actually find yourself being charged with incest in the state of Nevada. And the, the state of Nevada treats incest as a very serious crime with penalties ranging up to life in prison. One defense to sale of a drug would be entrapment. And that would be if the police or law enforcement agents induce someone who otherwise was not predisposed to engage in a transaction to do so. An example of entrapment in a, in a sale of drugs scenario would be uh, medical marijuana. Uh, we've seen here in Las Vegas where Law enforcement operatives will contact medical marijuana dispensary providers in California and offer them a price for medical marijuana that's far greater than what they could get in California. And then they in turn come here, deliver marijuana to the state of Nevada, and they get arrested for sale of marijuana. That would be a scenario where we might have a good argument that a person who otherwise was not predisposed to engage in a sale was induced or entrapped by the price that local law enforcement was willing to pay. Well, he undertook three of the importations with some of those hundreds of people. And, it, and he did it maybe early on in this big conspiracy. Hey, probably should have been reasonably foreseeable that some of those people might have gone on and imported drugs on other occasions in the conspiracy. 
might have been known to him after his three importations that others went on and imported drugs again. They may have dropped by and said, boy, you need to come on out there, help us import some more drugs here. You know, you did it three times and sort of we haven't seen you around lately. Come on down. Uh, you know, maybe he knows about it. It's not only reason foreseeable, it's known. But that's not the analysis. The analysis is you say, what was the scope of the defendant's undertaking? The undertaking of the defendant out of this conspiracy was the three importations. So even if something is known to the defendant or reasonably foreseeable, if it's not within the scope of the defendant's undertaking, it is not going to be relevant conduct. A2 we refer to as expanded relevant conduct. When we have this expanded relevant conduct under A2, we're not expanding the acts of the defendant because we, we know that if we look at the, the, the who or the acts of the defendant and the acts of the others under the three-part analysis. So we're not expanding the who. We are expanding rather the, the when, the temporal component. And what we're expanding is only for certain kinds of offenses. Drug trafficking, fraud, theft, money laundering, firearms offenses, counterfeiting, alien smuggling, tax violations, antitrust violations. A lot of offenses are listed back there. You're probably talking in excess of about 80% of all your cases are going to have expanded relevant conduct. So this is not something that happens infrequently. It's all those acts that were part of the same course of conduct or common scheme or plan as the offense of conviction. Hmm, my defendant came in, pled guilty to one count, selling drugs on one street corner on one occasion. That's the offense of conviction. A1 of relevant conduct kept us locked in to all those things that occurred during that sale in preparation for that sale, avoiding detection. Acts of the defendant and acts of others. Uh, but, oh, this is one of those for which relevant conduct is expanded. Now I'm not looking just at that offense of conviction for my time frame, the when. I'm looking at the course of conduct or common scheme or plan of which this offense of conviction is part. You say, gosh, the course of conduct was this defendant sold drugs on the street corner 52 weeks, a kilo at a time. So now you're looking at all that course of conduct, common scheme or plan, and saying, okay, everything the defendant did during that course of time at common scheme or plan are the acts of others under the three-part analysis in that course of time at common scheme or plan. Suddenly, from pleading guilty to one count for which one kilo of drugs was involved, you're looking at 52 kilos or however many kilos were involved in all these transactions. So relevant conduct has expanded tremendously for these kinds of offenses. There's a listing at, also at 3D1.2D of offenses for which you will not use this expanded relevant conduct. And included there are essentially offenses against the person uh, that are more or less like the crimes of violence. Uh, robbery, assault, murder, kidnapping, criminal sexual assault, extortion, and burglary. Those kinds of offenses are listed. One final point, uh, we know with the uh, uh, our time frames, and uh, don't want to get you too confused on terminology, but the time frames on criminal history. You know, you go back the five years, the 10 years, the 15 years to count the prior sentences when you're looking at a guy's prior record. Well, 
you're going back five years, 10 years, 15 years from when? From the earliest date of relevant conduct. And that can be quite critical in terms of prior criminal record getting counted against the defendant. Because you've got the guy coming in for sentencing here today. And the offense this, the defendant committed that was this one sale of drugs on one occasion, that happened a year ago. But this guy had a course of conduct, a common scheme or plan of selling drugs once a week for the last five years. So six years ago is when he started this course of conduct, common scheme or plan. The earliest relevant conduct we looked at for this defendant was six years ago. Well, that being the case, when you're counting back 5, 10, 15 years to see does this guy have any prior sentences that we're going to count, are they too far out of our time frame, you say, oh, gosh, well, he had one that was like 20 years ago. Hmm, we're going to count that because six years ago when the relevant conduct began, counting back 15 years from the six years ago, we're going back 21 years. Yes, that 21-year, that 20-year-ago sentence gets counted against this defendant. So the defendant will be moving across the sentencing table in terms of the criminal history category for things that will get brought in there. Welcome back again. As we looked at the video there, it gave us a brief uh, view of the drug trafficking guideline at 2D1.1. You know, typically when you look at the drug trafficking guideline or begin discussing uh, sentences under drug uh, statutes, the issue will lead to the, 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 to the discussion of how do you determine statutory penalties for drug offenses both mandatory minimum penalties and statutory maximum penalties. And certainly interest in those areas uh, has been increased tremendously. So this, the two, that one straight, rub all around it now. Go ahead and rub all around it now. <laughs> and then we go to all four and they acknowledge this, right? I also do this with a tread death reader. These tires straight, they good, right? We good, firm understanding. Ain't nobody gonna say that after no trip. You feel what I'm saying? So also, when they bring it back and I be like, you got my wheels there, guy. I need 250 from you. It gonna cash at you right away. They gonna feel like they got to, because I, I remember that walkthrough. You damn sure showed me. <laughs> you feel me? So look, but what I want y'all to know is, if you charge it 100 a day for the rental, right? Mm -hmm. You getting that 250 on top. So that means instead of the 100 a day that you're getting, you're getting uh, like a 350. Use it every time. Every trip. Now, and there's multiple wheels sometimes. Sometimes they try to parallel park to the right and the left. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm telling you these dudes can't drive. I'm talking about it's guaranteed, man. So you get, that's a tip. That's the biggest jewel y'all gonna get the name from that. So every single time this is gonna happen, right? And I get that every so trip. How do you do it? So you, you said something about the black rim. Like you get your I love black wheels because it's easy to see when somebody does curb rash because it's going to be chrome underneath. They scratch it. Now, if they get the rim that's all completely black, the wheels are black, right? Mm -hmm. You see this? You got clear photos. Now, when it comes back, it got chrome in the middle of that. Bro, come on, what you do to my wheels, bro? And then, you know what I mean? It's simple. So you just make sure you cover your own basis. Don't expect people to have integrity when you don't have the integrity in the, in the beginning of your trip. Mm. If you don't sit there and go, <laughs> I care about my car. They're going to be like, he don't care if I beat it up. And now if you already got scratches in your wheels, they also not going to give a damn when they scratch them again. Right. So you always want to fix them in between every trip.
You always want to make sure you do that. Don't let cars go out with maintenance lights on and stuff like that. Do not do it. You don't need the money. You make more money sometimes with the cars sitting than going out. Mm. Then how do you do that? Because if it's sitting and it didn't go out on that trip that totals it or something like that, or they, you don't get it covered by twirl because you had the engine light on and the engine failed and you know the dude was driving your joint like a stick, right. you know what I mean, and tearing up your damn motor. Um, if you want to just negate that, you just get everything fixed before it goes out. Don't be afraid to say no sometimes. Sometimes no is helping you. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep that car on the road longer. Right. So that's what it's about. We want to make money for a long time, not just for a little sure. bit. For sure. That's why I get those little economy cars, let them just trap out. So I'm going to tell you to play with the economy cars. Talk to me about so, the play. Ooh, so the economy God. cars, you buy them 3000 off, offer up or Facebook market space. It, it don't matter if it's so older than 2013. You can get, I got an old 9 Nissan Altima right now going mm-hmm. crazy. 350 a week. They're killing it. Uh, matter of fact, oh nine, oh nine, Nissan Altima, not even in good condition. They still taking it. They taking it. Three fifty a week, and they'll be gone four or five months. Right? Whose insurance is it on? It's under my personal insurance. It's under my personal insurance, and I could care less what happens with it. You get what I'm saying? So I'm getting it out, and it's going. If it gets crashed, I don't care. I paid nothing for it. It's, it's paying. It's big, big reward for me. Right? I could care less. Yeah. So okay. A uh, 09, so let's say you pay $2,000 for it, mm-hmm. right? You rent it out for three fifty a week. Mm-hmm. That's 1400 a month. Every time. Two months, that's 2800 There you go. Three I'm, months, you're, you I'm eight. gone. Hey, I'm going profit. Four months, you doubled your bread. Oh, trust me. And them things will stay out for a year. These people, you have no idea. And then let me tell you how to kill it, though. So they be out, and I'm making that 1400 rain, hell, sleet, or snow. I'm going to sleep, waking up. Ah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and look, keep in mind, look, also, I forgot to even throw this in the beginning. Before y'all rent your cars in any way, two, three kill switch trackers in the car. Mandatory. If you do a joint venture with me, mandatory. You got to have a kill switch tracker. I got to have two or three of them in there. Because if they find a first one, we got to have another one. So either way, they got to be able to cut the engine off. So when these cars are out on the week to week, I know people wondering like, oh, it's out on the week to week. You really trust these people to pay you? Come on, they don't pay me. I'm chopping that joint off. Mm. And they can't drive it. They ain't doing nothing with it. Uh, we chop them off. It happens once every couple months. We got to kill switch somebody. Mm. But they'll pay. And then and you know how you know they'll pay? Because you'll kill switch it, go pick the car up or something, and they'll have their stuff in it. And they want their stuff back. Let me get my key. <laughs> Let me get my money. It's guaranteed. So uh, that is, is smooth. So always have um, multiple keys and always have kill switch trackers in them. You're going to always know where they at. You're always going to be able to cut them off and take it from the customer. It's simple. But most of the people who I deal with are, are great. There's random people who get cars for other people who do weird stuff. And sometimes you got to chop them and, and go get that thing. It's, so, it's a part of the game. No risk, no reward, right? So either way. So this is the play. So they, I get them. 2,000, 3,000, OG car, don't matter. Sometimes I get free cars. Some people are like, I don't want it no more. Let me get that. All right, but I'll take it. 450 a week. Let's get it. It's out of there. It's going, it's going, it's going. Now, if I pay 2,000 at the jump, I made eight, 9,000 off of it for keeping all through the year. Now, tell me why I do this every time. Hey, bro, you've been having this joint for like nine months. You might as well just buy it off me for 1500. You might as well buy it off me for 2000. What I paid for, for the it. price I what paid, I paid for. It. And then I get that and I go get another one. Mm. I go, I do this all the time, bro. People don't believe me. 
People do not believe me. I'll be like, I do it all the time. I, I just sold it to her. A category E felony in Nevada would include possession of narcotics, a second time charge for peeping, solicitation of a minor for prostitution, or recruitment into a criminal gang. Most category E felonies would result initially in a sentence of probation, but uh, they could also result in a prison sentence of up to four years in the state prison. For record seal on a category E felony, you are eligible to seek a record seal seven years after completion of your sentence. And get a cashier's check and go home. I just pulled my money off my credit card and I got reward points because I was on a cruise ship. So since you're on a cruise ship, you get five points per dollar. So since I'm on a cruise ship, I get five points per dollar. I literally got chips <laughs> with the room key. I could max every card off if I wanted to and go home with the cashier's check if I needed to use it to invest, whatever I needed to do. And I still accumulated the reward points. So if I need to go buy a house, I literally can go on a cruise three days for 200 bucks, go pull off 50,000, come home with cashier's checks and go do my investment. But you so you, this guy is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so, wait, so when you take the 20, nah, no joke. So when you take the 20, you are paying the 20 back, but you yeah. are redeeming the rewards points that come with spending that amount of money. You can keep the reward points. That's the perks and benefits of having credit. Um, and that's one of the main perks and benefits of having credit. I tell people is that credit cards versus debit cards is that you spend your cash, you get nothing back. Mm -hmm. You don't get big interest from letting it sit in the bank. Right. But what, how do we actually use the bank to, for a benefit? What do we get from the bank? Like, and one of the things is that, why they incentivized it was the reward points. But a lot of people in our community don't have that information and know how to use the incentives that they give us. We so don't even do the research, the research. I feel like, like that's like the fine line. Like nobody's reading the fine line. Like, yo, you get this, these, I mean, the, the most we ever look at is like, yo, can we get air, airplane rewards or airport mm -hmm. rewards and hotel rewards? But there's so many other things like, that you can actually be using this for. <laughs> Yo, listen, right? Is that one of the key things is this, right? Um, today, you know, I got on recession proof, right? Um, but I'm an advocate of my community. I'm an advocate of where I come from. Some people will be like, Yo, it's ignorant. Y'all, we shouldn't wear designer clothes. We shouldn't do this and, and do that. Um, wear support black, whatever it is, whatever you want to wear, wear naturally. You know, things that's made from natural products, not cotton. Um, I like wearing nice clothes. Louis Vuitton, Fendi right now, some of my favorite Dior. Um, but I know everybody, a lot of people in the community, this is what they're after. These are the things that they desire to wear because it gives them status, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of a sense of status, and I'll keep it a buck. It is it's a sense of status that people want something that costs more, something that's extra flyered in, and make it separate. We got people growing up that and kids that don't know how to actually go and get it without doing something illegal, 
right? So they go and selling drugs and robbing people for these designer clothes because nobody told them that, hey, listen, you can actually be an entrepreneur and learn business or you can leverage credit and get it for free. So what I did was this. I started going, um, I don't, I don't want to spend my money on stuff. I'm cheap, right? I really don't like spending my money. So when I get designer clothes, I get it for free. I'm not going to spend cash. So in order for me to get designer clothes, I say, listen, I can run up my reward points and then redeem the, the transaction. So when I go, like I went and went to Louis Vuitton, spent 6000 right? Mm-hmm. Like $6,500 in Louis Vuitton. And I literally redeemed my reward points to cover it. How do you get the reward points? People don't know is the benefits of a credit card. Like you said, your gold American express card alone gives you four to five points per dollar, four to five points per dollar. Every dollar you spend on running ads. So you mean to tell me you're going to incentivize me making money with your money. Here's a hundred thousand dollar credit card. Go run and, and spin it, run ads to market your business and get in front of people. And I'm going to give you rewards for using my money. I ran a hundred thousand on ads may um, had a million dollar month. On the back end, they gave me seventy five hundred. Can we not let that just go over everybody's head? <laughs> <laughs> we just go and breeze past that. <laughs> Yo, I mean, congrats to you for that. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but that is is that even with that, I'm gonna stay on that. And the power, and, and nobody can say it's not power in a black dollar, right? Because that is the black dollar. These are things that and services and um, the community I built for our community. And so this is our money circulating within our community. Mm-hmm. But I literally, this is the, the point is that the information I literally ran off my, my Amex gold, spent a hundred thousand, brung back a million and then got, um, close to like 9,000 reward points. So then I redeemed it and went shopping at Louis, spent 6,000. So when you, are you redeeming it? Are you getting a, a gift card to the store? Like, are you getting like a sax card or how does that work? No, nah, I literally went shopping, uh-huh. swipe my card when I go sh- shopping. Thing on the day it happened. Now I showed this photo first as it's only gonna make sense if you see this picture first so you can kinda compare these other photos to this first one. Now, YNW Melly does say that this was a drive-by that happened. And as you can tell from where everyone was sitting, the only ones affected by this was Juvie and Sack Chaser somehow. Borland and Melly ended up coming out of this perfectly fine. I honestly have no idea how that even happened, seeing as some of these pictures, the car looks like it got absolutely trashed, but still, only Bortlin and Melly came out of this without a scratch. And sharing these next pictures, you could basically see all of the angles that the car was hit from. As you could tell, it's very, very real. And if this situation was caught on camera, 
it probably would be something that would not be allowed to be shown to the public as you can just tell how serious of an incident this truly was. Something this serious? It's surprising that the court case is not being, you know, shared as much to the public as we would think. The law enforcement is very unsure of what even happened in this situation. They're very unsure about this incident that went down with Melly and Bortland as they actually ended up taking around 40 minutes to get help for their friends apparently. Now apparently when this all went down, YNW Melly and YNW Bortland I guess sat there at the scene for around 30 to 40 minutes or something before taking his two best friends who obviously needed some medical attention as soon as possible to get help. Instead of calling for an ambulance or something along the lines of that, YNW Melly actually decided on driving to the hospital himself for whatever reason. And that is still another reason why they're leaving YNW Melly in lockup, as they actually really want to know why he didn't just call for emergency help, as that is what would make the absolute most sense, but he for some reason didn't. And I can understand where YNW Melly is coming from. Honestly, there was a, probably a lot of adrenaline and fear going on in his head. And honestly, I probably would have froze up if I was in his situation as well. So you can't really, you know, go at him for that. And I really do hope we get to see YNW Melly let free very soon. As I do believe it has been time for him to be free or at least be put on house arrest for the time being. He has been sitting in lockup for I don't even know how long now, two to three years. And I think he deserves to at least be on house arrest. If you do think that as well, let me know down below in the comments, and also if you enjoyed the video, leave a like on it. Anyways guys, it has been District Trending, and I'm out. Peace. Prosecutor painted a picture of Campbell as a violent felon, not a well-intentioned media figure. He has over 20 arrests and two felony convictions, but his attorney says he put those problems in his past and is now out to help others. I think um, what's made Daryl and people know him as Taxstone so popular is that he's able to reach audiences that traditionally people can't. At Montgomery's request, the judge approved a bail package for half a million dollars that also includes house arrest. As for Troy Ave, he remains free on bail on attempted murder and weapons possession charges. In lower Manhattan, I'm Lisa Evers, Fox 5 News. He was in, and they tell me that they're going to check on it to see and try to see if they see the car. Right. Long story short, I said I wasn't. I was still scared that I was going to get the car back. So I got in the car. Dion's like, let's go. Dion's no. We took an Uber. Mm. We didn't have no car. Right. I th <laughs> we took an Uber. 
we're in an Uber truck. We're both in the we're both in the back seat. And we're tracking a car. I said, "Yo, call OnStar to tell them to shut the car off." I forgot we got OnStar on there. Mm-hmm. Right? We call OnStar. They say, "Yeah, we can't shut the car off while it's moving." I said, "Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense." <laughs> but what happens if the car stops? Can you shut off? You said we still can't shut off because we need a police report. Hey, what? You need a police report first before we can shut the car off? And after he explained to me, I, I understood why the the logic behind it, but I wasn't trying to hear all that. Right. I need my car shut Your off. Shut it off. Is... Now stress level went six, seven, eight. I'm like, oh yeah, this car is about to be gone. I just got this car. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl's coming up. I don't even know if insurance going to cover it. I just like put it. Like, I don't know. Thankfully, right, I checked the app. Every, I checked the app. I'm checking the app every three minutes because we're telling the Uber driver to follow, go this way. Like, it was like a movie. Go straight, go straight, go straight. <laughs> Bust the right. It was crazy. Then I come to find out my, my tracker had a five-minute delay on it. Whoa. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> What's going on? Then we checked the app. We, see, we don't see the car moving anymore. My goodness, stopped it. Call on star. All right, we, we found out the car, the person who stole the car, stopped car, can you, can you shut it off? No, we still need a police report. He's like, please, just please for me, just shut the car off, please. Mm. All right? He says, sorry, we don't, we don't even have connection with the car. You know what he told me? He says the tracker has been compromised. I'll never forget those words. Wow. He used the word compromised, meaning they took the dang tracker off the car. Come to find out, this is not a guide to how to steal a, a 2016 Corvette. <laughs> it However, was definitely the tutorial. <laughs> but the, the, the tracker in this specific model mm-hmm. for OnStar is in the um, mirror. Right. Yeah. So all he did was pull that thing off and that was it. It was disconnected. OnStar. Mm. You know how we press the OnStar yeah. button? He took that thing off and that's how he got the car. Right? Wow. So, so I was scared throughout the process, but then it got so point where I had to get out the Uber. I said, I, it, it, was so, it was so sad, I'm like, all right, man, we lost the car, Dion, you can just go back home. That, mm. was, that was like, that was the, the tone of it. Right. Like, we, we, we didn't win this battle. <laughs> we lost, man, I, I'll figure it out, man. You need any more help? No, man, just, just go home. It was like that. Mm. I went and I got to my other car, Got home, rolled up the window and screamed at the top of our lungs. Really? That's how stressful it was. Never mind. I sat back. I reclined. You see what I, and yeah. screamed. I don't even see it coming from you, bro. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. It got so stressful. I screamed in the top of my lungs. Mm. But then I got reminded. One of my my key, like grounding statements is, "What's God's will in this?" That's what I act. That's what saved me. What's God's will in this? And I, because of my faith, I know that everything I do in my life, God has me set up for a win. Yeah. So whether this is an L or not, it's oh, it's still a setup for the win. So yeah. if I endure to the end of the process, I'll get to see that dove. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I saw that dove. Ooh. But the question is, how did I end up seeing it? This is how, right? Car stolen. I was like, okay, let me follow in the claim. For a stolen car, my insurance, they'll pay me out. Cool. That's what insurance is for. Mm-hmm. So I call my insurance. They say, okay, file a report. We need a police report. So I got the police report. And they um, they tell me 
after 20 days of your car still not coming up, and if it's still missing, then we'll wow. pay it off. So I gotta wait 20 days. Goodness gracious. Right? Mind you, I got that car in anticipation of Super Bowl weekend. Mm. I missed out on $3,000. So that car that usually gets rented out for- Just for the weekend. Yeah, it's just a weekend. That yes. car usually goes out for $400, $500, but on Super Bowl weekend, 1000 a day. Mm. Easy. Just roll for one car, right? So that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh my God, I took an L. Luckily, I had my Airbnb. My Airbnb I had one Airbnb unit that made $7,000, mm. $3,500 a day. Somebody nice. booked it for two days. But anyways, and for me, it's not about the money. Um, anyway, back to the process. The process was this. They said 20 days, if the car doesn't show up, we'll, we'll pay you the cash value of the car. So even though I paid 46, the car, they, they estimated the car to be worth $39,000. Gap insurance. I canceled it the two weeks before. <laughs> I got Gap when I initially signed the documents. Right, the dude sold me on it, and oh, I needed L, it. L, I was like, man, why L. am I paying? Take this L. Take this L. <laughs> why am I paying gap insurance? Man, I don't need no gap. I ca- I called him and canceled it. Come to find out, I absolutely needed it because I have to pay the difference. Mm. Gap insurance, as you know, pays the difference between how much you pay for the car and how much the value is. Mm. In case you 